Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and this week I'm joined by my co-host Mr Ben Price and we're chatting about Cardiff City 3 points 1-0 win against Middlesbrough last weekend. We're also looking forward to a doubleheader the weekend against Hull and midweek the welcoming of QPR to the Cardiff City Stadium. Enjoy! Well, as usual, joining me, I've got Mr. Ben Price. How's it going, Ben? Not bad, buddy. How's it going? Yes, not too bad, thank you. Recording this off a win. It feels like a little while since we've we've said that. We've had quite a few draws, but it was a win last weekend for Cardiff City, a 1-0 home win against Middlesbrough. What are your kind of initial assessments? Before we go a bit more in-depth, you know, what's your reaction to the game? Um, I think it was probably our best performance of the season. Um I sort of feel suddenly with everything that's sort of happened over the last few weeks and that result that sort of weight's been lifted off my shoulders, if you get me, just on one result, sort of, right, we didn't score, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. But suddenly it sort of seems like everything's sort of fallen into place. Um, I'm really happy with how it went. Sort of the game wasn't a classic. It never is Cardiff versus Middlesbrough, but how everything sort of went, it was, um, yeah, it was a really positive result and everyone sort of seemed happy with it. Yeah, and, you know, it was a Ashley Fletcher own goal, wasn't it, that obviously um, sealed the win or, or the only goal of of the game. Kind of a pretty dominant. I don't think Middlesbrough particularly threatened too much, although they had, you know, uh, I think it was eleven shots, slightly more than than Cardiff. You know, there wasn't it wasn't too worrying. I don't think. Um, do you do you worried slightly that Cardiff? Uh, are failing to to score the chances that they're creating, or, or do you think it's what it's, it'll come? It's a mix of both, really. Um, at no stage during the game, sort of when Cardiff are one 0 up, normally I've spent if we score in the second minute, I spend eighty eight minutes with my head buried in my hands, pretending we're not going to concede a goal because I'm panicked that we're going to do that. But I don't know. It was something special about Borough that I didn't think that they were ever really going to score. Um, I felt comfortable at one nil that that was the game killed off there and then. There was nothing about Borough that saw me think that um, Borough were going to score. I think Morrison and Flint dealt with the Longa brilliantly. Other than that, they had nothing. I thought they were really, really poor from a side that I expected a lot more for. Um, we've looked at the stats, 11 shots on target, uh, 11 shots, zero on target, sort of says everything about their issues. Um, we got the goal from a fortunate own goal, but I think we could probably could have killed the game off on our own without needing that own goal. Um it was it was a comfortable victory in the end. Um But does it worry you that if that own goal hadn't have been scored, it would be another another draw? Or do you think yes. it's, it's it's irrespective because we might have pushed on and scored? It's a mix of both. I think no one was expecting Glatzel to miss out through illness and say with Vassell. Um it was sort of a job done sort of game. Um we got the three points that's all that matters. I think if it had come to it, we still would have buried it. We weren't really we got the first goal and we didn't really push that second. We had chances but no one really scored. I think later on in the season, if we were sort of December time and we only won that game one nil, I'd be a lot more concerned than where we are now. Um it was a com- like I said, it was comfortable. They offered nothing. We probably should have beaten three or four nil. Um Right now, when things are starting to tick into place, I'm not going to panic too much. It's a very positive performance. The defence looks so solid. For the first time, probably all season, I've not panicked that we're going to concede a few goals and they get in front. 
I felt Morrison and Flynn were absolutely outstanding, controlled the game, sort of read every pass that Middlesbrough were putting into place. They didn't really have a lot to worry about. Smithy's had a comfortable game as you're ever going to get in a fucking Cardiff City defence. <laughs> it's just nice and simple. It's just, it was one of those where defensively it fell into place and felt like two seasons ago, whereas like, it's still not going to happen. We, lo- we lost our main outlet when, when uh, Glatzel drops injured, uh, drops ill, sorry. It's, I'm not expecting us to score three goals then. If it was glatzed up top and we only won one nil, then probably we'd look at it and say, look, this was a bit concerning. But the way it is, it was three points. It was job done. Everyone was positive. Everyone was happy leaving the stadium. It's time to move on to the next game and look at Holloway. So, and you know, you mentioned it there, and, and one of the the early criticisms when Cardiff were kind of were struggling for form or to find their best form was that this didn't look like a Neil Warnock side. They weren't playing like we saw them two years ago, like every good Neil Warnock side does, that that control defensively and solidity and, you know, harassing the pressure and being direct but with purpose, that was missing. But the last few weeks has kind of draws to get back on our feet a bit. And in this game especially, this looked like a Neil Warnock side, didn't it? This looked like Cardiff City at our best as we as we know they can be. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're at our best. I think there's much. I think we're going to see far better from this side as now everything's starting to click into place. But it's reflecting um, more. Oh best. yeah, it's def. It's definitely along the right lines. This is sort of one where I've sort of walked away and gone. I finally understand what we're doing for the season. This is what we want for the rest of the season. This is how we want to play. This is this is how Neil Warnock sees this side for the rest of the season. And I was happy with how it went. Um, there's definitely improvements, especially in front of goal in the field, creating chances. I think there's a lot more players can do. But the three points were there. It was wrapped up pretty comfortably and Millsbury didn't offer anything. anything. Um, defensively, I, like I said, I thought the four at the back were very good. I thought Bennett had his best game of the season. Peltier, a solid 6.57 out of 10 for the, as per usual. It was just all pretty comfortable at the back and that's what I've sort of Probably as much as we've been looking to try and get the goals, we want to dominate a team. The worry has been the goals that we can see that we didn't concede before. And it sort of felt that Morrison and Flint finally got that understanding. The centre-backs with the full-backs got that understanding. It all sort of fell into place there. And we sort of got that one goal and that was good enough to see the game out. Yeah, we, we spoke last week, didn't we, about the threat that Middlesbrough might you know, pose to Cardiff. And, and it was British Ombolonga that we... And, and most fans and, and everyone like kind of pinpointed as the danger and we spoke about the danger being if Middlesbrough can get him in behind Flint and Morrison that's when he could cause danger and if Cardiff were going to be successful they needed to you know keep everything in front of the centre half didn't they keep that play in front of them yeah. they can see it um, and they absolutely did that and you know some longer I don't remember a clear chance where he got in behind or, or at least and you know, looking at the stats of of the aerial duels, one and Morrison one eight, Flint one five. You know, they were really strong in the air. Everything was in front of them, and that game plan was executed really well. Oh, exactly. I think we knew exactly where the threat was coming from. The players knew where it was coming from, and it was a game plan executed perfectly. Um, I don't think ever this was going to be a three four nil win. I don't think Neil Warnock ever saw it as that. He saw it as a one nil, two nil victory that could really kickstart our season. I think that's where the fans sort of needed to be. The defence was solid. We kind of a very, and I think when we look back, I don't know if we'll appreciate how important this clean sheet was 
for the centre backs and the goalkeeper of just saying, look, after everything we've sort of been through, this was this was solid. This was the best Flint's been. This was the best Morris, best Morrison's been. This was the best Bennett's been. Uh, this was arguably the best Peltier's been. That's what you want out of the centre backs. They kept everything so comfortable. Nothing too fancy. Nothing too silly. It was just a comfortable position, a comfortable victory against a side that could have caused us problems. I thought the way Morrison and Flint dealt with the Sombolonga was absolutely superb. He just couldn't get into the game, and that's a full credit to those players. They did really well to control that and stop that from happening. Absolutely, and, and in midfield as well, it was it was a weird battle, wasn't it? In that Middlesbrough lined up with uh, in a three-five-two system, and kind of the their three central midfielders, George uh, Savile, Adam Clayton, and Paddy McNair. Neither of them are particularly creative. Neither of them will particularly look to kind of break the lines and, and burst forward from midfield. And so it was kind of a, a you know, though we saw it in Rawls and Bakuna are very similar in that sense, aren't they? They very much let Murphy, White and whoever's at 10 get forward and support the thing. And they'll try and arrive late in the box if they can, but it was a very industrious midfield battle. Yeah, I think um, if you look at his defensive point of view, um, all of them sort of played a part to keep that clean sheet. I thought White defensively was absolutely superb. I thought and defensively touched on that didn't he? And his he said uh, Pelty will be in the England squad if he carries on with White in front of him. Oh, massively! He was. It was just brilliant. It was a really comfortable. Peltier made. Uh, sorry, White made Peltier's job look easy when it wasn't. It really wasn't. He played really well to get the clean sheet. But um, that's the best White has offered as far as defensively. Well, just I looking still at the stats, White made more tackles than anyone on the pitch. Oh, that shows. You, yeah, you, seven you look tackles. At, you, look at, you look at the YouTube highlights where they showed the um, tackle, I think it was Fletcher, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, where he just took the ball off him and just sort of went forward with it. He was superb defensively. There's a lot more to go from White as far as going forward, I think. I'm not going to criticise him because I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, but there's a lot more to go going forward from him than there is defensively. I think his defensive game, he really understands what Neil Warnock wants from him, uh, what this team needs from him. It's just going forward now where the improvements need to be made. But again, he sort of looks better than he has. Each game, he's improving. Each game, Murphy um was improving. I thought Murphy was absolutely outstanding the first 10-15 minutes until it became clear that he's really not right. He wasn't well. and Which we think uh, he's affected he, by the same bug that's kept Glatzel out, don't we? I think that was yeah, the words. Yeah, 100%. You could see um, he was on my side the first half. He was holding his stomach. He looked like he was sitting down and pulling a Gary Lineker a couple of times where <laughs> he was proper... Fo- like the pass wasn't the only thing following through there. Um, he was struggling, but um, the first 10 minutes, he really caused those fullbacks problems. He was putting some fantastic balls in. He'd run it. It was Murphy at his best. And I was really, really positive and really excited to see that happen. And it was a shame he went off when he did. Um, we've given him, I, I say we, I've given him sort of harsh criticism for how he's done throughout uh, the start of the season. But that looked like it was at his best. And it was just really unfortunate that he became ill throughout the game and had to come off because I think. If he had stayed on the pitch, we'd have scored two or three and won comfortably. It'd be even more positive than what it is right now. Absolutely, and again, Bakuna impressed again, and him and White are kind of you know two players that 
the opinion and the consensus amongst Cardiff fans has changed even in the last couple of weeks, you know. You only have to go back a few weeks and people were slating Bakuna, people were questioning why White was getting in the side ahead of Hoylert. Um And suddenly the reactions after the game, the, the praise for both of them, shows a real, you know, transformation and, and how well they've both done. Yeah, we've had, we had a solid, probably, what, 30 minutes straight of that Bakuna song in the Canton. <laughs> um, it's been in my head... We're recording on a Wednesday. It's been on my. It's been in my head since three o'clock on Friday on Saturday. It's one of those. The fans have really started to take to him. They appreciate Definitely look, better than this. the Joe Rawls song. Oh God, yeah! Don't just don't don't ruin my <laughs> night, please. Um, he's really worked hard to get the fans on side. He went through a horrific tragedy. I I don't. I think if it's any other country, sort of a bigger name country, even in the African, even on the African continent. Um, I think more to be made in the press of what just what he's been through mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. He lost a teammate that at twenty, I see twenty nine, I think he was, had a heart attack and died, and they still played the next day and won the game comfortably. And he's gone on to play three games in a week and done really well in each of those games. Um, I don't think fans appreciate just how hard that is to do. Real it's not like to his character, isn't it? Oh, massively. It's. Um, I really respect him for it. Um, I wasn't sure. I'm still not convinced he's the player to take us through and make us a um, top two championship side. But seeing how he's performed the last few weeks, he's definitely someone you want in the trenches with you. That is unbelievable character to go through. He's gone through and come out how, playing how he has. Um, I know he did well for his international side. And on um, Saturday, I thought he was really, really good. I thought it's probably the first time this season he's outperformed rules. He deserved every bit of praise he got. He was absolutely outstanding to vids. Deserves a lot more credit from the Cardiff City faithful than what he's getting at the moment, despite the chant. And it's you know we still got Marlon Pack to come back, and I think for for a while the expectation amongst pretty much everyone was that Pack would come in for Bakuna, but Bakuna's done so well recently and improved so much. I would make a case for bringing Pack in for either Patterson or Tomlin in that ten and and playing with a deeper midfield three than than dropping Bakuna and giving Bakuna rules a bit more of a license to get forward. Um, I don't know if that will happen because because Warnock does like that that ten position, doesn't he? But you know it gives him a real selection headache and you know Bakuna's done everything that he can to kind of keep hold of that shirt. Bakuna's done the last few weeks, probably since the Reading game. In fairness. Um, everything he can to keep that shit. Like you said, um, I think probably four weeks ago, it was a lot more obvious that Pat comes into that side and drops straight back in. But right now, I think you drop either of those two midfielders, it's really harsh on either of them. Um, yeah, Bakuna's done a lot to sort of give Warnock something to think about. If Pack is fit for Hull on Saturday, I don't think he comes into the first 11, whereas sort of three weeks ago, I think it was a... In my head, anyway, it was a straight swap, swap Bakuna for Pack. But the way Bakuna's been playing, he sort of made it a lot more difficult for the manager to drop him, and that's all you want from a player. He was just, regardless of the circumstances, I think if you looked at his stats and how he played on Saturday, you'd be happy with that performance anyway. Never mind sort of what's gone on in his personal life over the last two weeks. And you know, one of the things that um, frustrates me, or or perhaps makes me not question Neil Warnock's in question's position, but 
I wonder what's going through his head is is this use of substitutes. You know, there was a few weeks ago when we were trying to, you know, get a winner somewhere. I can't remember which game it was, and he made a sub in like made the third sub in like the eighty seventh minute and brought brought Bogler, I think it was, and it's like, well, what really, you know, not much of a chance to to try and win a game, and and a, you know, we've got three substitutes. He only used two when there's some players on on the bench that could really you know, do with with a couple of minutes, you know, Mendesland still coming back, Will Volks, you know, we've, we've barely seen, he's, he's not played barely any minutes in recent games, has he? And, you know, Tomlin again is kind of coming back from that, that whiplash. Do you think that's, uh, does, does does that strike you as strange not using the three subs or, or does it not really bother you? Not really. I sort of look, I'm looking at the team now and I think who on that bench realistically with, the time it was left when we really were on top of the game and could have finished that game off would have made the difference. I still think it takes 10, 15 minutes for, to get the best out of Mendes. Um, Lee Tomlin, I think he needs to start and play 60 minutes, not come off the bench and make the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Ward, when he came on, didn't really do a lot. Will Volks isn't a player that's going to score a last-minute winner from 30 yards out with a screamer. Um yeah, there wasn't a lot on that bench that I'd have sort of thought, all oh, right, we need to get this player on. Um, it's one of those, yeah, it's frustrating that we didn't use that third substitute and try and push for the second goal. But the timings when you sort of think you'd made that third substitution, there was no one really there to make that third substitution. And I think that's more of the issue than the timings of when the substitution's made and who's coming off off that bench. And you mentioned Danny Wards came on and you know didn't particularly do too much i know what your opinions are on danny ward i find him a bit of a a baffling player in that cardiff fans just seem to be desperate for him to to play and and come on and and uh, you know always make a case for him and i don't know about you but i've not particularly seen much beyond hard work and, and work rate to suggest that he's you know a deserving of a, a starting position maybe, maybe i'm wrong but it's a tough one with him. Um, look, Scott summed it. Scott Johnson um, summed it up perfectly in one of our chats the other day, uh, talking about Gavin White. Cardiff City fans love a trier, and I don't think he played for Cardiff City and thought, you know what, he hasn't tried. He hasn't worked his absolute nuts off to get us that three points. And I think that's why every Cardiff fan's desperate for him to succeed. He was half of that team. I think he was really hard done by by losing that number nine shirt. To be honest. Um, he didn't get much of an opportunity in the Prem. When he did, he got the goal against Arsenal. He didn't do a lot wrong. He's not going to be the goal scorer that gets us 10, 15 goals a season. But there's a lot worse players to have in that squad, especially when you're trying to see a comfortable draw out. Danny Ward will do the dirty work. Danny Ward will see a game out and sort of... I sort of like... This sounds weird, but I see him as sort of a striker Don Cowie, if that <laughs> makes sense of yeah. when you've got that 1-0... There's not many players I'd want to bring on more than Danny Ward to sort of see that 1-0 out and sort of make it more comfortable. So if, um, if Glatzel had played up front on Saturday and you've got Bogle and, and Danny Ward on the bench, you'd bring Ward on to see how that 1-0 win? Oh, 100%. Um, I thought Bogle was really good at times on Saturday. Um, he sort of encourages the players to play on the floor and sort of get the ball moving a lot more than we do with Glatzel. Sort of we see this six foot whatever player whatever size he is and sort of hoof it up to him Bogle's not that big 
he wants the ball on the floor. I still think Glatzel wants the ball on the floor, but we seem to sort of play it on the floor to him and create more chances. Um, he probably could have done better with his header, but out of the two of them, if you're seeing a 1-0 out and you want to make it comfortable, Danny Ward's a player you bring on, not Vogel. If you're looking for a, if it's a one-all draw or you're 1-0 behind and you're trying to get that equaliser, then you bring Vogel on. It's sort of, as far as the striking options go, it's a nice option to be, to be honest. Um, you can't complain with those two options of seeing a game out or sort of looking for that killer instinct. It's a nice position to be in that sort of we haven't really had. Um, yeah, like I said, I just don't I don't think Danny Ward's going to score us 15 goals and get us promoted, but he's definitely going to win us a few points with his defensive work rate and how he plays off the ball more than anything. Absolutely. Well, there we are. then we'll leave it there on the Borough game. After the break, we're going to be chatting Hull and QPR. We're off the back of that when Ben we're going into a double header, another midweek game coming up after Saturday, a trip to Hull. Uh obviously, you know, really good memories of the last time we we went to Hull that Sean Morrison won the goal. Uh, hopefully we'll see another one like that. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad, would it? Um sort of Sean Morrison turning to you, um I would say Johan Cruyff, but I think a more accurate representation is the greatest player of our day and time is Hal Robson Carney. <laughs> and sort of Cruyff turning and finishing like that. It's um Every time yeah, I watch gra- it, I'm just amazed by it. Yeah, you sort of sort of think and go, Oh yeah, I forgot he's actually good at football, isn't he? He's not just a lump that can sort of throw it long and sort of head it on. Like he's a decent footballer. Um but like sort of we've had sort of a good sort of record at Hull, haven't we? It's sort of been one of those grounds that if we've got something out of it, it's sort of been an important result. Um, who can forget Fraser Campbell's equalising penalty in like the ninth, in like the whatever minute it was after the penalty shout. Yeah. Um, and doing that amazing celebration of, oops, I've done it. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's a special ground for us, I think, Hull, uh, the KC. And um, yeah, I think I fancy us doing it. They've sort of, it's a, I think they're a team in transition. They sort of look like they could kick on and sort of really push for the playoffs if they kept uh, Nigel Atkinson, but that hasn't happened. They've lost a few players. Obviously, David Marshall's gone to Wigan, who did really well last year. Fraser Campbell, who scored, I think it's the first time he's got over 10, uh, 10 12 goals in a season since he played for us, has gone to um, Huddersfield. They've lost a few. This sort of seems to be a bit of another rebuilding process. So it needs to be sort of one of those games where we're looking to finally get those back-to-back wins for us. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, a change in manager this summer. Grant McCann's come in from, uh, I think it was Doncaster, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. They came, we also did did really well. They lost in the in the playoffs uh, last year, I think it was. So, you know, it's a transition for, for him to come into into the championship. You know, it's it's only a, a league's difference, but is is a completely different setup and style of play and stuff like that. So, you know, an interesting year for Hull in that, you know, like I said, they lost a couple of players, new manager coming in, you know, tough to adapt to a new style and stuff like that. And this starts the season largely reflects that, doesn't it? Three losses, three draws and, and two wins. They're in 14th on nine points, three points behind Cardiff in 13th. And, like I said, one of those teams you could see them making a push for the playoffs, or if it really went south, you know, struggling and, and kind of getting involved in a relegation battle. Yeah, it sounds weird, but I think their January transfer window is going to be massive for them. I think if they keep players like uh, Jared Bowen, 
um, I think that's huge for them. I think then they can kick on and look for playoff promotion. But if the club's owners sort of look to cash in on those assets and say, look, we're not going to get promoted, we need to look at selling on, then realistically they are looking for a relegation battle. It's sort of they're in a really weird position where they could, if they made it to playoffs, you wouldn't be surprised. But if they were relegation fodder, again, you wouldn't be too surprised. It's a really strange one that shows just how tough the championship is this year. Yeah, they're the type of team that, you know, you can see them going on a good run and kind of falling off maybe around the Christmas time where there's that really busy schedule and some of the teams that maybe rely on a, a star man like Holdu with Jared Bowen, you know, it's a lot of games. If you've got to rest him or get injuries or struggles with form, then you could really see them kind of dropping dropping in form and drifting away a bit. And Ben, in the last game, he kind of, you know, showed the quality that, that they can have at Hull. They beat Luton 3-0 and uh, Kamal Grasicki got a goal, but two goals from Kevin Stewart, the uh, ex-Liverpool man, who, you know, more of a defensive midfielder from what I've seen in him, so two goals there. But, you know, it shows that, that they can score goals, that they, you know, do have a bit of quality about them and they could potentially you know, pose a threat to Cardiff. Yeah, they seem to have sort of that nice sort of instinct of, of goals from all over the pitch. Like you said, Stewart's more of that sort of holding midfielder role, but he's picking up with a couple of goals. Uh, Grosiski, was he two in? Uh, he's a goal every other game at the moment in the championship, four in eight. Um, yeah, they're sort of, they're a threatening side. They're not a side that I'm sort of comfortable in playing. Uh, Luton, we've seen what they've done to us in the League Cup, but they still managed to pick up the three points there away from home. It's a good three points. It sort of proves that, that there's no easy game, and these guys aren't going to be any pushovers. They really could be pushing for the playoffs. Um, they're not a team of sort of players you look at on pit on the on paper, other than Bowen, uh, Bowen and probably uh, De Silva. You sort of look at and think these are players that I want in my side, but. They're picking up the wins. They're playing some nice stuff. They look good. They're solid. They've not conceded a huge amount of goals. Um, yeah, they're a side that are going to be tough to break down, especially at home. You mentioned Jared Bowen, very much the star man, and, and you know, possibility that we could have seen him in a Cardiff shirt. You know, strongly linked in January when we're in the, the in the Premier League. And are you surprised to still see him in Hull? Not really. I think his future lies at a bigger sort of place than a Cardiff City or I think Norwich were linked with him in the summer. I think when he does leave Hull, his future lies at a sort of a higher level. He sort of, you look at someone at Bournemouth or sort of that sort of ilk as a player that you'd want, you'd see him go into more than relegation fodder or a newly promoted side. Um, He's a massively talented player. I know Arsenal were linked with him. Um, he's a special player that Hull will want to keep hold of as much as they can. And I think he's clever enough to know that jumping to the first promoted side is going to hurt him long term than sort of sitting out and waiting for that correct move to come up. Um, I think there's a few in that side that could play at a high level, but I think he knows he's destined for that top half Premier League, not just sitting and waiting for hoping for a move from a relegation candidate team I think he's been quite smart with that to be honest yeah and, and you know, just reading on his Wikipedia that he, he had a, a trial at Cardiff and we decided not to um, not to pick him up when he when he was a youngster and kind of went to he- Hereford United and then made the jump from 
from them in the championship to to Haaland. Like I said, a really exciting, talented player that could you know cause plenty of, of problems for for Cardiff fullbacks if he, if he's on good form. Oh yeah, massively. Um, he's a real threat. Can get assists. Can score goals. He's sort of everything you want in a winger, especially at this level. Um, yeah, it sort of it says more about our scouting process at the time than anything else. Um, you look at the players we've given up over the last few years. Um, yeah, just missing out on a player like that is huge. He was at the club. He was at. He was on our doorstep, and we, for whatever reason, thought he isn't going to make it. He's gone to Hereford, did really well. Uh, my One of my best friends is a Hereford fan, and he was buzzing when he got that move to Hull. Um, yeah, and said he was going to be a special, special player, and he's proven to be right. Um, it worries me that our scouts can't see, our scouts our scouts at the time couldn't see the potential in that player and how many other, other players have they missed out on. Um, but he's one that we've definitely missed out on, probably are going to regret going forward that we didn't pick up on while he was on trial. Yeah, and another kind of ex-Cardiff man that, that kind of did make the grade to some extent, kind of broke into the first team a little bit, is uh, Josh McGuinness, who, you know, a remarkable story at the time that kind of was on the books in the academy as a goalkeeper, was then, you know, transformed into a, a striker and, and kind of broke into the first team as a striker. Got a really bad injury, didn't he? After showing a bit of bit of promise, did he break his leg? I think. Yeah, he broke his leg, didn't he? Um, and sort of faded away from there. Marky Mackay came in at a time where he was really looking to make a breakthrough. Yeah, and scored it, and in the it, League Cup, and it, you know, made ten appearances yeah, was, for us. And he was sort of part of that sort of class. You sort of players like uh, Jesse Darko, Nat Jarvis. That you sort of thought, right, these are coming through our academy. Are they good enough to make the grade? And going on, they weren't. Um, I think it sounds weird, but he's not one that I was sort of angry that we let go. I think if he had stayed at Cardiff, he wouldn't have turned out to the player that he's been today. I don't think he'd have made that. He would have got that Northern Ireland cap. Um, I don't. I certainly don't think he'd play Championship level football right now. He needs to get away, play regular football, and understand his role in a club. He sort of suffered from sort of a jack-of-all-trade master of none for a long time. We put him up top, but he was sort of... Was he a striker, wasn't he? I don't think the club were too sure. He sort of left Cardiff and sort of said, look, I'm a striker, this is where I want to play. And that's really in his trade, sort of playing lower down. It's um, it's really good to see him going on and doing really well for Northern Ireland and doing well for Hull. But um, he's not one I sort of look about and think this is one that got away. It was sort of one that was right to move and worked out well for both parties, I think. Yeah, I think more than anything, the desire for him to do well perhaps was because of it was a great story, wasn't it? That that transformation. It's like on the yeah, X Factor so- when they take the the solo acts and put them into a group, isn't it? Everyone loves to see that. Well, I say everyone loves to see that on X Factor. Um, I love we know to see what you, it. We, we we know what you get from Saturday Night Scott. <laughs> That's um, all we need to know about you. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a great story, isn't it? Goalkeeper up to striker. It's sort of the opposite of what happened to me. To be honest, I realised I was crap going up front and played in goal. <laughs> um, yeah, stick the fat boy in goal. But it's really good to see a player like that come through. And yeah, I don't think any Cardiff fan sort of sits back and thinks, "What if?" His goal-scoring record isn't spectacular at the Championship. I think, OK, he's not played for great sides, but he's obviously waited for Bolton. He did all right. 
in League One he did well for I think it was was it Charlton he was at? Yeah, it's got twenty goals in eighty one games for Charlton. That's not a bad record for a bloke that used to be in goal. No. Um, and he offers a lot more than that as well. I think um one thing that goes underrated for him is his hold at play and sort of getting other players into the game. He might not have the greatest assist record, but he brings players into the game really well and something that arguably is that something we could do with um with Patterson playing in the ten at the moment of getting more players into the game, holding the belt ball up well um yeah it's not one that i don't think realistically do you look back and think what if is it one of those i don't think I don't it is think so no no but i mean you could guarantee you'll score, you'll score oh yeah I, I'm, I will put three quid on it on saturday to make sure it doesn't happen to be honest it's one of those <laughs> um yeah but nah it's not one Great to see him doing well. Really, actually, genuine one of those players that sort of you see move on. And you think, oh, go on, lad, do well. I hope you do do well. Um, from my youth side, it's just yeah, it's just a nice story to see him make his way back up the leagues and make it to the championship. But I think he's a bottom end championship striker, um, top end league one striker, sort of that in between. Yeah, and on a side note, the the one that kind of looks like we did make a mistake in in not retaining is Semi Ajayi who's doing really well at, at West Brom did well at Rotherham you know one that we we let go before really ever seeing him in the in the first team um after obviously we signed him from Arsenal but doing really well at Rother- at West Brom after a good spell at, at Rotherham yeah he's one of the most bizarre sort of situations at Cardiff um Paul Trollope came in and pre-season he played everything. I think he even wore the number six shirt um, for every pre-season game. And I really thought, right, this is his breakthrough year. He started, it was at Birmingham, our first game that season, started on the bench. And nothing really came for it from there. He's a player that when you look back, he's going to be one we've really regretted letting go. When he played, I got down to a few under twenty-one games that year, and it sort of it was the sort of time where I was really getting down with uni. Sort of, you finish at four o'clock, you've got a lot of free time on your hands. You can get down there and watch a bit of under twenty-ones. <laughs> it's not like it is now. <laughs> um, and he really stood out, probably above any other player. And to see him go, I was really disappointed. Um, he needed to play first-team football, and low moves the right move. But I think we let, didn't we let him go on a free transfer as well? Yeah. And sort of that's what really bugs me, and that sort of really shows the youth setup at the time really wasn't doing his job. He was good enough to play. He'd make it into our team now. He'd be playing, he, at the very least, he'd be playing with Curtis Nelson is, um, yeah. if not getting in ahead of Flint or Morrison. He's a quality player. He's a really top championship centre-back he's big he's quick he can pass the ball he um can get the odd goal from corners it's a really he is like you said he's the one that really got away out of all the players in our league this year it's because I was just looking so I was thinking well he must have been Trollope must have let him go and thought well I want a more cultured rather than a, a kind of big centre-half it's actually Warnock that that let him go which you think you know Warnock would look at him and see a, a centre-half that would would kind of fit well into what he what he wants from a centre half, but yeah, Warnock would let him go. Yeah, it's strange. Neil Warnock doesn't seem to want to bring players through. Um, I that's harsh, actually. I don't want to say he doesn't want to bring players through, but he seems to feel more confident in giving players a chance from players that he's brought in from outside than players he's brought in from the under twenty ones, under twenty threes. Um, well, unless not, you know, 
Warnock is guilty of it, but it's been a problem for Cardiff City for a number of years. You know. Oh yeah, the, look, there's huge issues at the academy that are sort of being addressed now that haven't been addressed for years. This isn't a Warnock. This isn't a new issue that's sort of come in from Cardiff City. This has been since Darcy Blake, Joe Rolls, that sort of team came through. We've not produced anyone since then. Um, you look at where the money's gone. It's not gone from there. Sort of Peter Risdale, those sort of team, those sort of owners came in and sort of pulled the funding away from the academy. At the time when a player's, uh, the route from the f- academy to the first team was very clear. Since then, it's become a lot more muddled. Joe Ross has probably been the only player that's made the breakthrough. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad, really, because I mean, I think we're you know a similar age, and I'm sure when you first started going down. Cardiff, there was, you know, everyone from the likes of Ernie and, and Gabs and, you know, that type of person to then, you know, um, Ledley coming through and, and Ramsey, that type of generation. And, you know, Cardiff always had a pretty good track record of bringing through good young players at the time. And like I said, the last person other than, than Joe Rolls, who, you know, obviously was bought into the academy, I can't really think of anyone that's, you know, Declan John, but he wasn't particularly that successful at, at Cardiff, Mark, was he? So. Mark Harris probably is the only one that in recent times that sort of given the breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, Kieran Brown, another one that sort of had the chance. Yeah, it's um when I started, it was sort of James Collin was sort of coming through and was sort of the player on every sort of fan's lips of coming through from the academy because I think we brought Gabs in from West Brom. Yeah, if I remember right, yeah, yeah, sort of, of breakthrough, broke through. Collins was the one that came to the academy at that time when I sort of get into the city at the time um yeah it's one of those we used to be we used to laugh at the jacks at looking at the wales squad and saying yeah we brought that player through we brought that player through and now it's sort of turned the other way around they really invested a lot like we can give them grief for what they did in the premier league in the end how they went out of it their owners selling their sort of yeah sod it selling their soul to make the american buck their owners sold everything that club sold for to make the American buck. But the one thing they continue to do was invest in their youth program. They made progress into the valleys. They made it into Neath, which used to be a, pretty much a Cardiff development stronghold. They, Christ, they even made it to Pontypridd and Brecon. Um, that, that sort of says everything about the, how far they pushed in. It used to be Cardiff City sort of um, summer academies in Bracken where I grew up it was always Cardiff City were hosting things at the Ledge Centre on the AstroTurf um, Swansea made the Premier League after two years it was Swansea City making those breakthroughs sort of holding those academies and they pick, they've picked up a lot of good players and I don't think they're done reaping the rewards from that I really don't I think there's a lot more to come from their academy there's a lot of kids that are probably probably 10 to 13 right now that sort of picked up on that Premier League promise that have gone through from sort of mid Wales right through to South Wales that um, Swansea have really invested in and really sort of looked at and assessed to bring their academy. Um, They're still category one. I know they were talking possibly last season about dropping it to a category three, which being the worst thing they could have done. But um, yeah, they've really invested well, whereas we sort of taken for granted the sort of, history of our academy and just let it sort of rot and sort of fall massively behind where they are where bristol are where teams in the sort of region are. i know we have a night with southampton coming in and sort of 
picking our players because they're category one. We lost um, Rabi Matundo to Man City, who are a category one academy. When we should, there's no reason why Cardiff City shouldn't be a category one academy. We've got the facilities. I know the Vale, and with the training grant development, we're looking to get that status. But it should have happened a long time ago. The money's been there. And um, we've really missed out on an important and sort of valuable um, finance resource by putting these players in and sort of bringing them through and selling them on for a high, high price. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could do a, a whole a whole podcast on uh, on that, but uh, we don't want to do too long. So, Ben, what is your uh, score prediction for the whole game on Saturday? Oh, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, you look at... On paper, would a draw be a decent result for us? And I think it would. But um, I think the way we played, we're looking to get those sort of that sort of run of games. Now we're five unbeaten, but we've not really put a consecutive win. Oh, I think we're six unbeaten now, aren't we? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so six six unbeaten. I think, but we haven't really put together consecutive wins. Um, I think this is a game that Neil Warnock and his side will really be targeting to put together consecutive wins. So um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. What about you? Perfect. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Um, I just can't see us pushing for the win. Uh, you know, we're quite conservative on the road. Yeah. So I still like to say I think a draw is a decent result, although we would, would like to, to win. Um, the focus then obviously quite quickly turns... To QPR and you know the beauty or the uh, the pain as you know maybe some of the players might think of the championship is you know games in quick concession and we're kind of getting into the start of of the midweek games aren't we and QPR at home they've had a really good start to to the season haven't they you know they're in fifth on sixteen points um, surprising how well they've done actually for me yeah they're sort of the really surprise package. Um... Yeah, it was sort of the side that you thought you don't think they're going to go down, but you don't think they're going to go up. But they've had a really, really strong start, like you said, in fifth place. Um, it's a tough one. It really is. They're sort of a side that you really didn't think anything from. You sort of, I don't know if you listen to Atletico Mints, but the sort of Tony Fernandez sort of picture in the 15th place as their dream finish. <laughs> That's sort of where you picture QPR these days. Um, and yeah, a strong start like that. Look, they're going to really want to try and get three points at the Cardiff City Stadium. They're not. They're going to be looking for that playoffs now, building off that start. They've got a nice young squad that probably aren't full of superstars, but they're hard workers. They're grafters. They're sort of everything sort of Neil Warnock looks at as a um, side in the Cardiff City side. They're sort of doing that sort of role, really, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, a good manager in Mark Warburton, who's had some you know a good spell at Brentford, didn't he? And you know, mixed spell at, at Rangers kind of knows the championship fairly well, and you go through the squad and some, you know, recognisable names of either solid championship players or kind of mid to lower table Premier League experience players like Sir Jeff Cameron, who was obviously at Stoke in the Premier League for a while, Naki Wells and Jordan Hugels, you know, started well for them, five goals in in eight matches, and you know, some some players that could cause some some trouble, and one of the ones that. That's particularly exciting is um, I'm going to shorten his first name to Ebe Ebeeze. I'm going to call him because uh, I have no idea how you pronounce his first name. Um, is, but you know, a really bright young talent scored a really good goal. I think on the opening day of the season, didn't he? And you know, someone that could really, really cause some damage for Cardiff. Yeah, I think the biggest signings for them is um, Naki Wells. 
um, a champ, a proven championship goalscorer sort of did all right at Premier League, sort of a sh- signing that was sort of surplus to requirements of Burnley that you know is going to get goals. I think it's a really clever buy. Um, yeah, I think the, what the, they spent money in the right place. They know that you're not going to get promoted without scoring goals in the championship these days. And that's sort of where they spent the money. And that's why they're in fifth now. I think Snarky Wells scored two, three goals. Um, there are the strikers who scored two or three goals. They sort of, they're not smashing goals in, but they're getting enough to. You'd be very surprised if Naki Wells was fit and last the rest of the season not scored 10, 15 goals. Yeah, it's sort of a very smart buy. It's clever buys for not huge money that sort of they're reaping the rewards for now. They weren't conceding a huge amount of goals last season. They sort of knew they had a solid-ish defense to build on and knew they weren't scoring enough. And you look at how they've addressed that and you can't fault the um, recruitment policy. Naki Wells is certainly a player that if we had signed him in in the summer, I would not have been disappointed with at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they've done well and that sort of proves why they are where they are. Yeah, and you know, some of the defensive players that Johan Barbet from, from Brentford, who is an interesting centre-half in that from whenever I've seen him and I, you know, I listen to not the top 20 podcast a little bit and they're always talking about him in that he can be a very very good centre half but can also you know has got a few slip ups in him so you know that might be an area that Cardiff can put a bit of pressure on and it Welsh international Matt Smith's on loan there as well um, I'm not sure if he's actually played any games so far or three games in the championship and two in the in the league cup scored a goal in the league cup so you know some interesting interesting players there and you know, when we get into the midweek games, Ben, you know, this is where the squad rotation has to has to come in, doesn't it? And I'd I'd imagine that for Hull, the squad would or the team providing that it's fit and that's probably for Bogle if he's if he's got over his bug would largely remain the same. But it's coming into this QPR game, you might see some changes, might you? The likes of Tomlin coming into the ten, maybe Mendes Lang and Hoyle getting some minutes, and and maybe even Will Vokes or Marlon Pack if if he's fit. Yeah, this is the sort of game I see Pack being more valuable than probably the whole game. Um, same with Tomlin. I think Tomlin is a player that's going to feature feature regularly for Cardiff at the Cardiff City Stadium, but I don't see him having much huge impact away from home the way we set up. Um, yeah, there's a lot of players that QPR have that you sort of look at and I think this it's a solid side. We're going to have to be at our best and play well. And like you said, the rotation is a huge thing to sort of bring the best out of them. You've got Angel Rangel that sort of knows the championship. They've got like, they've got a really good mix of young, exciting players and sort of that senior championship experience and know what it gets to get out of that league. I think they're going to surprise a few people. I think they could well be around the championship playoff places uh, come May. Um, yeah, it's just not an easy game. It's not one of those ones I sort of look at and think that's an easy three points. Um, if you'd looked at the start of the season, it's one of those games I thought we'd have won comfortably, but seeing how they've bonded, seeing how they've gelled and seeing how they're playing, suddenly it becomes a lot more of a challenge. I think Neil Warnock would appreciate that and sort of look to look at a way of breaking that team down and bringing players like Pack in, looking at dropping Patterson for someone like Tomlin just to create that bit of creative spark, just to get that one goal that can seal it and bring on a bit of a run. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they said a, a real test, but the last time we faced QPR in the championship at the Cardiff City Stadium, at least it was a 2-1 win. 
Junior Hoylet and Sol Bamba grabbing the goals against Alex Smithies, who was in goal for them. And Stephen Corker at centre-half as well. And how do you see this one going, Ben? What's your score prediction? Um, I'm going to go for a one-all draw, to be honest. I'm not massively optimistic. You look at Hugel's a very good signing on loan from West Ham. They've got some solid players like Matt Smith that we talked about and uh, Luke Amos on loan from Spurs, who have done really well since they've come in. And then you've got solid players like Grant Hall that are just solid championship players, Angel Rangel. Um, yeah, it's a tough game. It's not sort of one of those ones that you sort of looked at on the bottom half championship side that aren't really in danger of going down or growing up anymore. They're sort of they're looking now to kick on and get that playoffs. So you've got Warburton, who's a very experienced championship manager, did well at well, did all right at Rangers while he was there. Um yeah, I think a one all I think is a fair result. Absolutely right. I think it would be a good result. I think a home game, I think we've got to be targeting a win, although they've done well. I, and you know they start the season well. We've got to be winning the the home games, which we have, you know, a good record at home so far this season. So, I think particularly if we draw at Hull, I think you know we'll be we're going for three points here, and I think yeah, a, a I two, think a two nil win. I'm going for. I think the whole game is massive on how we set up for this game afterwards. Um, if we lose or pick up a point at Hull, then I think the team looks different to. If we picked up a comfortable three points, uh, three points at Hull, um, it's sort of one of those. It's hard, really hard to predict a Tuesday night game, not knowing what's gone on on the Saturday. Yeah. If it's a comfortable win, then I think, yeah, it's a different sort of look. If you can get four points from your midweek and sort of your Saturday and midweek games, you're looking good for the championship title. You're looking good to be in the playoffs. Whereas if you've lost that game or you've only got a point, then suddenly it becomes a must-win. Absolutely. Well, Ben, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks so much for for joining us and uh, and for listening once again. And if you've got any questions or or want to find out what we're doing, make sure to follow us at VFTN Ninian or viewfromtheninian.com. Cheers, Ben. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, mate. Take care.